0: Welcome to BA Brew. I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Felicity. I'm Debbie. Uh, so today we've got Felicity Cowie here. Uh, so we met Felicity at the uh, Business Change and Transformation Conference uh, back in March, I think it was, wasn't it, Felicity? So only yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, and Debbie and I were lucky enough to, to attend Felicity's session. Um, all about, as you can see in the background, uh, 50 Mighty Words, which is a technique um, that <laughs> Felicity um, Felicity put together uh, off the back of it, a glittering uh, sort of career in journalism. Um, so first of all, tell us a little bit about that, Felicity. You've done some really high-profile breaking news um, work, haven't you, over I the years?
1: Yeah, I started working as a journalist when I was about 15, just working for local papers and sort of got a way in that way. But then I was a journalist for about 20 years, Um, And by the end, I was an editor at Panorama helping sort of devise uh, their investigations. Um, But most of the time in between those two things, I worked as a breaking news journalist for things like the BBC uh, News Channel um, and ITV also used to have a 24 hour news channel and I worked for that as well. So, yes, I was. that was my, I was a sort of a generalist. I was there to kind of break whatever stories were happening. Um, this is more and more starting to date me. <laughs> 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 I'm realizing <No>. this. <laughs> Um, But yeah, some of the biggest stories that happened um, on my shift um, and some of the most challenging definitely to report were uh, the tsunami that happened um, uh, around Boxing Day and I think 2005, the London tube bombings in 7-7, the capture of Saddam Hussein, (laughs) things like that. So, um, yeah, these were all stories that kind of broke out of um, out of nowhere, really, that, that nobody was expecting. And I did cover things as well, which were not quite so um, grave. Things like the millennium, the turn of uh, into, oh yeah. When I think, um, although that obviously wasn't a breaking news event, it was very much planned for. But there was so much uncertainty around what was going to happen to our systems with the millennium bug, and uh, would we even be on air? <laughs> like, um, so yeah, it was a it was a fantastic it was a, a fantastic career, and I really enjoyed it. Oh brilliant
0: so obviously you've got really good at sort of very quickly um, sort of identifying information and analysing information and putting I suppose getting a message together from that to make it informative quite succinct and make sure that you're, you're sort of communicating the right, the right thing at the right time so is that
1: how it's led to your 50 Mighty Words then can you tell us a bit about how that, that translates? Yes I, I mean that's exactly what happened was that I was working as a journalist and um, you know in order for journalists to kind of figure out what is even going on uh, as, as something changes or something breaks happens out of nowhere um, there's an awful lot of communication that journalists have to do between themselves to just figure out what's going on what do you know what do i know what do we not know um, and then to turn that into some sort of compelling news uh, to then put out to audiences and then to sustain that story as it's changing all the time <laughs> um, and to keep audiences clear about what's the main bits that are going on what's known what's not all of that um so when I then started uh, I stopped being a journalist in I think 2010 and I started working um, in the corporate world um, helping with communications training and troubleshooting um, and sometimes helping them work with journalists but what I kind of noticed was that that training, which was so endemic in newsrooms that kind of consistency consistent model of how to communicate and to interrogate change and to work on it together was really missing like a lot from um, just the blueprint of the corporate world. And so I realized that in bringing some of that in um, to the clients that I was working with, it really helped us kind of get our heads around, you know, the inevitable sort of like huge changes that happen in, in you know, in large organizations. Yeah,
0: no, so, yeah I suppose it's, it's really interesting that you've translated into that, that business world with different audiences, stakeholders, contexts. Um, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's, I love the, not the simplicity of it, but I do, I do like the fact that it's not overly complicated. It's it's something you can sit and really think about. So uh, when Debbie and I and Jonathan actually, we sat, didn't we, and tried to do, like do one for the company. So obviously we were a sort of training and consultancy company specialising in um, business analysis. And actually, I found it quite difficult to, to answer some of those questions, which seemed quite simple on the surface of it. But actually, that when you come to sit and think about what you actually do as a company or even as, if you're doing it for yourself as a person, um, it, it's quite hard to, you know, to, to do that. So I think I can see where your, where your expertise came in and really helped, helped businesses with that.
1: It is difficult. I mean, it's the exercise itself is quite simple. And I mean, you know, journalists are taught. I was taught as a journalist on day one, like, you know, interrogate things, use these questions, you know, keep the information in play, all all this kind of stuff. So it's and actually the police are taught the same kind of techniques. It's not um, particularly mysterious. But I think when I when I worked particularly on Panorama, um, you know, we would be right at the end if things had gone very wrong. Um, And so, you know, a lot of our program titles were like the something scandal. (laughs) Um, And um, I became increasingly uncomfortable as I worked on that, because what I because what I realized whilst I was proud of the, the work we did in shining a light on some things was that it seemed to me once we started to work on these investigations that if you tracked back to where the things had started to go wrong it was just some like fundamental communication failures not often done out of any kind of malice but just people working in businesses not really understanding what they were doing or why they were doing it and then being afraid to say that and then that snowballing and snowballing into kind of like a big crisis and so i was kind of seeing this in the businesses that we were reporting on but at the same time i was working in newsrooms which know they are quite um they're tough environments to work in but there is this kind of authenticity and openness about i don't know um and so we'd kind of be sort of like like shining a light on these businesses that sort of don't know how to talk to each other and communicate and one thing sort of goes wrong and triggers all these events whilst in the newsroom interrogating this story by asking us each other questions saying okay so they've said that why have they said that i don't get it i don't understand it do you understand it no i don't understand it and like Will you go and find out and then come back and let us know, and you know, whatever. And I thought, well, and this was naive a bit, but I think most sort of passion was, why don't we just take this model and take it into these businesses? And then they won't have these crises and scandals mm-hmm. because they'll be using the same confidence, I suppose, that journalists have to kind of to, to speak up and to challenge. Um, so it came from that kind of, it came from that kind of ideal. Um, but then it, uh, you know it is a challenge like exactly what you said about the exercise the exercise is quite simple but i think in the kind of the corporate world it's just it's not taught you know you're not taught all this when you're 20 21 or whatever age i was when i did my formal um training and neither is anybody else around you so you don't have this common framework where nobody takes it personally or whatever um and and, and i think that that's what i've tried very hard to do with clients is to create um places and actually this came out something at the conference to create a kind of a model where it's possible to be kind of vulnerable together without anybody without there being politics around that particularly because the focus is on like but how do we get this right how do we say what we do and we don't know to each other so that we can work together Um, and it and it works very well for that but yeah it's a it's a challenging model for some people because I mean I've worked with very large um, organizations who can be very guilty of um when you ask them what they do, they they struggle to answer that at a high enough level where it encapsulates everything the business does, but it's still tangible. Because you know, a lot of large companies have gone through a number of acquisitions and changes. Um, so genuinely in the company, this kind of consensus around what do we do is actually Quite a piece of work to figure out, um, but people feel slightly embarrassed about that, and so what can happen is they plaster over this sort of why <laughs> um, you know like we're here to kind of make uh, the world a better place, obviously the most loose um and then because every so tired of it kind of convince themselves oh that will that'll do the job kind of thing um. But that kind of lack of rigour around and clarity around what is just something that just would not happen in a newsroom. And so I kind of bring that sort of uh, gently, I hope, compared to some of the editors I used to work with, but um, sort of say that's just not really saying a great deal. You know, what do you do? Let's just take our time and figure this out so that you can get it into a few words and everybody gets what's going on here because Mm -hmm. it solves all the problems down the line, I find.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so important. Though. I mean, communication, it's, it's, it's the key to everything, really, isn't it? Good relationships, good business
1: relationships. If, if it's done well, it just makes life so much easier in every way, doesn't it? It does. And, when it. It, and almost every crisis after it's happened and there's the sort of like the kind of the inquiry or the, the looking at why did this all go wrong, it's always, you always gets listed high up, if not the top reason, uh, communication failures. It's 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 always pointed to as a reason why there's been a huge loss of money or jobs or, you know, or even life is this sort of failure to communicate commun- confusion over communications. So it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a nice to have, it is a kind of a quite, it's sort of the, the fundamental thing that I think can keep your business on track um, and, and away from too many risks um, and to make and to tend to take and to approach opportunities in a sensible way as well.
0: Yeah. I, I like the way you talk about, um, I suppose you're alluding to psychological safety, where you're all in the room when you say, you, you, you can openly admit that, well, I'm not sure about this bit, so we can go and investigate it further. I, I really like that approach. Um, and i think thinking for our BA community, actually, they, they might actually think the same as me, in that, well, I, when I saw your technique, it made me think of, what we, we have the what, why, when, how, you know, where, who, all that kind of thing. Yeah. So we, we always do that um, as BAs. That's kind of the first thing I always do in a, in a BA project, any kind of project, really, is to get up to speed. So it's really interesting that you do a really similar thing there. Um, how, how about you, Debbie? Have you drawn any, any other parallels with the BA world to, to Felicity's work?
2: I think so, because I think it's quite interesting, because I see a number of different perspectives, really, because obviously, first of all, I run a business, So exactly what you're saying, Felicia, I really hook into, because what's that phrase? It's very difficult to make something look really simple. And if you can actually state something with clarity and and a conciseness that people can understand and get behind, that's incredibly powerful. And I think as a business person, that's that's really, really important, really important, because that sets the scene for behaviours, for the organisational culture, for the org- organisational mission, really, in terms of what, what it's trying to do. But I think in terms of business analysis, it also applies in there as well, because we're talking about communication, and communication is between people. And within business analysis, we talk about the stakeholders we work with And there are so many when they have different perspectives and they have different agendas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if your messages aren't clearly articulated, then people will interpret, you get ambiguity, people make assumptions. And in terms of then trying to change or improve the business, you start getting into deeper and deeper water that is difficult. And one of the techniques that we use that people who listen to this podcast know I love, which is Catwo. Right at the heart of it is about why. It's about worldview. It's about understanding, you know, where is it this particular person is coming from? And when um, you were presenting on your technique, Felicity, I immediately thought, this is so relevant to business analysis, because that, that start point of, okay, what is the worldview we're espousing here is so critical? And then looking at some of the other questions, you know, you can move on to thinking about, okay, well, well, what's the service offering here? Whether that is a particular business situation, an entire organization, a division of an organization, whatever it is, you know, what is the service offering here? And within Catwo, I always then say, And then the really important question, who's it for, which again, taps right into it. And if you can understand those things, whatever your business situation and whether it is the entire business or just a smaller part of it, you get that clarity. And if you don't understand that, you don't have it. And clarity to me just drives everything. So I I think as a technique, we can all use it and, and really use it to do something quite effective
1: yeah i think when i um one of the, the reason the way that my method kind of got born was i uh, i worked when i worked as a journalist i kind of tried to estimate this i reckon i probably heard about a hundred thousand pitches over the course of the 20 uh 30 years it was, that i was a journalist um that, it, partly because i worked on the bbc's main planning desk and of course we had like tons and tons of stuff coming in there. But I would find um, this was really put to the test for me as a listener. And you know, when I was on a planning desk, it was my job to find stories. So I wasn't just like a busy journalist who didn't want to know. I actively wanted to know. I wanted people to pitch me stuff. But I would be like crying inside, like just thinking, "Get to the point! Like, yes. do Keep you? Do? In there. Like, what's the story?" And and it and I could see, I, I could feel a lot of empathy with people because I could see that they were trying very hard to come at it in a way that felt right for them. Um but I thought this just isn't doing it for me. Like I need 50 words of like what, who are you as a source before I even get into what your story is. And so a lot of what I teach sort of comes from that is just knowing what it's like to be the listener. Um, now that's obviously being a journalist, but you know I work with people who the stakeholders they want to engage and who are critical to the success of their project, maybe you know, frontline doctors and nurses, these people do not have time to listen to this kind of noise. They need like a very crisp, like, this is what we're doing, this is why we need you. Um, Mm. For them to engage in the first place. So um, yes, so what what I'm trying to teach is is a way that is, it's not the whole story by any means, it's enough of to just engage people in the first place so that then they then start to want to know more about you. So it's kind of sits in that sort of, in that place. But it is hard to do um, because it's unfamiliar for one thing. It's not really taught. Um, and I think secondly, it's there's almost this thing that I, th- I just encourage people to just kind of get over, which is like just because something what you were saying, Debbie, about something appears simple and people get so embarrassed that they can't do what appears simple. So they think, oh, God, I can't describe my business in a few words. How mortifying, <laughs> um, you know, because it's embarrassing, isn't it? Like. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, but you need to practice it and then you can say it on, you know, on all uh, news outlets, whether it's print or um, broadcast people specifically are allocated to write headlines um, or shifts where they write the headlines and they do that with the whole story in front of them. It's an art and it takes time um, and I don't see that in the corporate world that kind of respect for, like this is quite difficult. Therefore, let them yeah. allow ourselves the reality that we're humans, we find this sort of thing rather difficult, but we need people to listen and engage. So we're gonna to have to kind of like allow ourselves time to get this engaging statement together.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really quite interesting, isn't it? Because I, I so agree with you. Um, one of the things that, that I do do is I talk about crafting a sentence because sometimes when you're writing something, you can use all sorts of additional words that you don't actually need and and you can just take them out and i sometimes say to the guys in assist if your sentence is finishing with them or with those nine times out of ten you don't need those last two words okay and that's that's a little tip that
1: i always use um, it is the less is more thing is a huge thing that i i teach people but that sounds it's paradoxical, you know, less, you still need the right stuff in there, huh? but do. little of it as possible, really, I think, is the, the way to put it.
2: Yes, and and you quite often see things written where the first few words of the sentence aren't needed either. And the, and the bit that's really the nuggets is in the middle somewhere. And so we quite often talk about that as well, because we do a lot of writing at Assist, because we write a lot of presentations, course materials, etc. So we're communicating all the time. But the other interesting aspect of this for me is one of the most difficult parts, I think, of the business change world is actually making change happen. And making change happen really requires good communication. And so actually being able to communicate, and I love the concept of 50 mighty words, I like the word mighty in there, okay, because for me, every word should count. And if you make every word count and if you do craft it, you're going to get a more effective message, don't you think?
1: Yes, completely. I think that the words need to do, they've got a job to do um, Mm. and they all need to serve um, a purpose. And it's not... Necessarily a question of having it all locked down and memorised and stuck on a wall. It's not. It's more just giving. It doesn't have to be. You can you can change it and things can be fluid within the fifty mighty words. But it's having that discipline of like we need to be able to say to answer these kind of these key questions that listeners will have as soon as we present them with something new as 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 quickly as possible because people's attention spans are can last for about 50 words after that it gets a bit difficult um, and I don't think that's just because we live in a busy noisy world I just think that's the way we're built it's like our brains are very efficient and they're like okay you're something new <laughs> um, tell me but I've got I've got this sort of little bit of um, it's like I guess it's like our algorithms like I want this information in this period of time and then I'll rank it it's almost like we work a bit like that so the 50 I find doesn't discipline Um, and has been a very good tool for me when I've gone into work with new clients and they've sort of given me a very long description of who they are and what they do and all of this, which is absolutely fine. It's the right starting point to see what their external identity is. But the discipline of crunching that down into 50 words has really made them sort of say, actually, you know what, really huge things like, actually, yeah, we don't really do that anymore. I'm not really sure why we're saying that because it puts it all under the microscope a bit and helps people just look at what matters to us right now. And that's obviously what you really want to tell all your stakeholders. They don't need a lot of backstory; um, they need um, just the he- they need the headlines really to decide if it's relevant for them.
0: It um, is good in that way, though, isn't it? Because it helps you to, re- I suppose, review the business at the same time. Because why are thinking about this? Like, say, shining the light on well, where are we? Yeah. now? What are we doing? Um, it's a good opportunity for that. That, that is
2: actually.
1: Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Blissy. Go on. I mean, that is how it works in the net. Once you've sort of like crafted like what the this, this statement is, it's not um, so much like that's job done. It's almost like, okay, right. So that gives you the way to engage people, but it's a way of keeping things on track because, and it's what newsrooms do. So. Uh, they'll sort of be, okay, Right, we're clear about who this story is about, but we're not really very sure how this happened. And so what will happen is that when I was um, sort of directing teams of people, um, I would say, right, can you go and find out more about the how this has happened? Then can somebody else, can you go and find out a bit more about like why this has happened? And so it's almost like you would allocate the kind of the workload. And in some cases, even the budget to, to figuring out these different answers to these questions while having this top sort of like 50 words above it all about this is what we're trying to achieve. So it's a very good way of keeping things on track. And even for very small businesses, like I do do some work with startups and founders and entrepreneurs as well. um, And they like it because, you know, when you're founding a business, there's so many opportunities and it can get very confusing when a big client appears and they want something slightly different from what you normally do. Um, There's nothing wrong with that, of course but it helps you sort of stay nimble, but still stay true to your core focus by just having that in in mind and thinking, well, this is what I really do. So is that actually the right fit for me? Um, I mean, it can help businesses stay on track, which obviously if you're very small um, is absolutely critical. Yes. And I think
2: that's a good point as well, Felicity, because sometimes in business you have to decide what's in scope and what's out of scope
1: yeah it's the scope thing isn't it because the creep of that is huge and the more and also it's not like the more things go well it's the worse that gets because I've worked on projects both as a journalist and in my own business and all different and that's happened to be quite a lot where it started off nobody really cares it's quite small I can define it all perfectly and do what I want but the more other people start to get involved in it and bring their imagination and ideas the more you know, it can just completely like explode in scope. So it's a positive sign that you've engaged your stakeholders, but you then need to kind of like keep that in focus. Otherwise it Mm -hmm. can sort of like start to drown out and drag down the time, you can lose your timeline and all kinds of things, I think. Mm
2: -hmm. I think as well, this is how it ties into sort of business analysis and business change, because, you know, we are often asked in terms of requirements for so many different things But actually, you have to come back to that essence of why, you know, what is it we're trying to achieve here? You know, who is it for? And actually, do all of these things fit within that? And as you say, and sometimes it's, well, if they do all fit, have we got the budget for it? Is it feasible for us to achieve it? But if you come back to those questions, then actually you guard against scope creep. and and things getting out of control, which really can be the enemy of successful change. So I think it applies at lots of levels in business.
1: And it actually does give you some kind of power, um, even at the most junior level, to be honest, because, you know, I've worked with some quite terrifying people. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when I sort of said, uh, yes, but you know, this is this is what we're doing. Here's the so it's in 50 words, you know, here's the here's the, the, the headlines of what we're doing what we were chatting about. Okay, so now you want to do this, I get that I totally understand that you know, all that language, but um, I'm not quite sure how it fits with this. And then kind of just go quiet. Um, It's really, really good at refocusing because people because the whole statement in itself is not nebulous It is very tangible. And it is about why we're even bothering, you know the pain of change it makes a case for why put ourselves through this kind of thing mm. back into people's minds um is you know it does help an awful lot um even if the gap between you and their experience or whatever it doesn't really matter anymore because it's just you, you're bring it back to this common thing and the same thing happens in newsrooms really where you've got the story up and running so it's the equivalent of the 50 mighty words the headlines really of like right we're coming back to this breaking news about blah 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 um and then behind the scenes, journalists are saying, oh, maybe we could go and find out about this or we could send a crew out to go and like investigate this. But because you've kind of got the central story in play, I think it really does help with the kind of like, well, yes, but if we do that, then the camera's going to be stuck over in you know another country. And actually, we might need it back here. And it just helps make those decisions in the moment, because mm. that's what's really it's. That's the strength of this, really. It's, it's quite nimble, and you can you can decide as things um, reveal, as change reveals itself, which is often, you know, what what well, is always what happens, isn't it? Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about so many different applications for this, and I'm actually thinking of the times in my career where I feel like I've done something similar, and, and try try to keep that focus. I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe maybe even like this kind of principle in, in on your CV, for example. You know, that's a bit like that, isn't it? You know, you need to sort of have that hard hits in. This is what I've done. You know, this is my experience. And also things like management summaries in business cases, um, responding to tender uh, applications, things like that. There's so many different ways that this, could, this kind of thing could be applied, isn't there?
1: There is. And actually, the good thing about this is the consistency of doing that. So what tends to happen as humans is that we get very excited about new things and we think other people are excited about new things. But actually, our new thing might not... <laughs> Uh, You know, what's new to them may be very old for us. So sometimes I'll go and work with clients and they'll be like, oh, we're doing all of this. And they'll tell me all about a campaign that they're doing, but I don't know what they actually do when they're not doing that campaign. And so as a completely like new visitor to the situation, I'm like, is this the business or is this your campaign? And sometimes you'll see the website homepage is plastered with the campaign and nothing about what the business is, what it actually does. So um, I do spend quite a lot of time um, with people sort of saying to them, it's great to have this enthusiasm, but you've got to sort of appreciate that, like, you still need to put the headlines on the top of this to bring people into it. Otherwise, they just get very, very muddled about what you're doing. So, but I think because we are sort of built to kind of put like novel and new information to some extent. You'll get people sort of say, oh, no, everybody knows that <laughs> or they'll mm-hmm. say, oh, it's, or I've had that like, chief exec say, oh, it's very clear in my head. And I'm like, well, that's, that's your head. <laughs> so it's not, so it's not, like, you know, the media, um, uh, definitely not them. And it's probably not most of the people who work for you either. Um, so it's not good enough, really, to um, to kind of. Um, to chase the novel um, at the expense of just doing for the sake of, you know, a tiny few minutes of uh, just a bit of setup of like, let's just say where we are. And and I think I have confidence in knowing that works because of the newsroom background where, you know, I work with the same team of people for maybe 12 hours on the same story if it was a big breaking story, but every meeting, we, and we all knew each other personally, you know, got on and, you know, by and large, but, but every meeting we had would be like, right, let's just let's just recap where we are. And we would do the kind of the headlines at the top of the story to check everybody was just still like with it. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it can get very confusing all this different information that I just don't really see that happening in the corporate world. It will be like, let's have a meeting. And then it's like jump straight into some kind of tangent somebody's been on holiday maybe for a week and they have no idea like what's now going on Um, and that's the danger zone of assumptions and people are afraid to sort of say I I don't actually I'm sorry I'm a bit confused so I think there is a kindness to sort of say let's just open this with a very quick recap of what we're doing here and that's where the 50 words can sort of kick off your meeting um, or your introduction to yourself as well In, in many cases when you're bringing in new stakeholders you need to I suppose, in a way, have a sort of respect for the fact that they may have no idea what's really going on, even though they're politely nodding. <laughs> um, yeah. don't do that work for them. Don't make them uncomfortable and feel they have to ask and just tell them straight off. Um, I, I think that's a very powerful thing to do for other people. Yes, I think that's right, because
2: we run workshops. That's part of what we do. We have meetings all the time. And actually, you know, we always say, you know, explain why we're all here. You know, because otherwise you're going to have people in that room. And if you just start off with, I don't know, getting people to do some sort of icebreaker or um, start discussing things in detail, they have no context for it. And and context is so important, and it's so important to the work we do, because without context, it, it can all be quite meaningless. And so that sort of idea of, okay, let's just restate you know, why we're here, what we're trying to achieve you know, who's involved or how we might go about it or that, I think is just incredibly powerful. And, it, and it's it's just really nice the way that you have put that together, because it's it's memorable as well. And memorable is always good.
1: Yes. <laughs> so and the more you repeat something as well, you know, people think, oh, I don't want to appear boring. I don't want to appear like I don't know what I'm doing. You know, There's always insecurities around it. But actually, um you know we know like if we're on the receiving end of information or you know say we like fancy buying something that we're like oh I don't know but then you sort of it comes around again and again and it's like you see it again and an advert or a friend talks about it or whatever it's like the familiarity of seeing the same thing uh, a few times does make us calm down and think well actually yes maybe I will buy that now I understand it a bit better or, or whatever um, and that's just you know buying something financially perhaps but i think the same thing is true of ideas like we can hear something and think mm, and then it sort of comes around again but we hear it in the same kind of language and then another person is talking about it and using similar language there's so something deeply reassuring to us um, as humans when we when we hear that consistency and that repetition um and I, I think that's one of the i think that we can have courage in repeating ourselves um when we that's so hard to get this information together in the first place. You know, it's not just just chuck it out there once, and, just, and then it's like, you know, everybody should now remember it. That's crazy. It's not for that purpose. It's it's not a memory test or memorising a poem at school or something. It's like it's a tool to just kind of like get everybody's brains nice and calm to kind of like start sharing information and bring in the new as it's appearing.
0: Yeah, it feels organised. It feels quite organised and quite systematic, almost, applying that same structured approach every time, doesn't it? So, just in terms of that, as well as working with people, you've also um, published a book recently, which we can see behind you there, called Exposure.
1: <laughs> just a hand, who what I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did publish this book. Um... Yes, it was published last year and it is nominated for a business book award, which is extremely exciting. And I find out about that next uh, month in May Uh yeah, when we're recording this, I will, I guess we'll, we'll know quite soon. Um, and it's, it is really focused on helping businesses um, get exposure for what they do. So that obviously has implications of, you know, engaging external stakeholders, um, and particularly for engaging um, the media is sort of where the book comes from but um i still have found uh and, and really i wanted to write that because i felt i had this toolkit in my head of just stuff like you know how to write a press release and what to say and what not to say to a journalist and how they think as well so that that was no longer just in my head and it was just a resource that people could buy and use because i felt like it you know that it's it's knowledge that's useful um and for small businesses and you know and individuals i wanted to give them something affordable that they didn't have to spend a ton of money to kind of like you know to get so that was the, the thinking behind it but um it is used it, uh, i have found it's been used quite widely by um clients who have no interest in talking to the media whatsoever um and that's not within their job description or remit but it's useful because journalists are kind of the toughest stakeholders that you can end up dealing with um in many ways because they are Uh, in some ways they're very useful because they're the most blunt Um, so they don't tend to sort of politely nod whilst not listening to you and then going off and doing their own thing they will sort of say I've no idea what you're going on about (laughs) like uh, really bluntly to you down the phone "Um, so they're you know they can be quite brutal to work with and to grab their attention Um, so the techniques in the book are whilst targeted at media my feeling is that being the sort of some of the toughest stakeholders you engage with, that the the practices in there are quite useful for just engaging with other people. Um, and in fact, as you, you may know this um, in Amazon and I believe some other companies too, um, they actually if they have uh, somebody who's got an idea for a new project or product or, or whatever, they have to go through this process that they call working backwards, and they have to write the press release. And how this thing would land with the media um, before they're given any green light for even any funding to explore whether the product's a good idea or not. So they built that how will this land in the world um, concept into their business development and and the the things that they do. and so i've used it in that way as well because obviously if you're making a significant change in a business you know if you're bringing in a huge new product or a different strategy there's quite a big chance this will end up um whether you it's you doing it directly or somebody else in your business it will end up in the in the outside world and people will scrutinize and look at it so thinking about how that's going to land at the end of all of your work can be uh, quite a useful way to look at your project right from the start so i have found that uh, people have started to use it for that um, purpose as well, and it obviously speaks about the fifty mighty words and the kind of origins of that and why that helps journalists understand, and therefore how it can help other people understand what you're talking about. I think, why it's, I it
0: think it's fabulous. Yeah, it's, it's
1: fabulous. I think I, I love the way you
0: brought all your expertise into the business world to help people. I think it's you know it's it's really admirable. And um, best of luck with your book. I hope it gets all the accolades it deserves. Um, we'll <laughs> yeah. certainly be looking out for it, won't we, Debbie? We will. And, uh, just have you any final thoughts or takeaways, Felicity, um, for, for the audience on this?
1: I think probably that um, that I that I've touched on, but I think the thing that I find myself telling clients the most, and almost giving them permission to do, strangely, is like don't be afraid to repeat yourself. Like you know, repeat yourself all the time. Repetition is very soothing to other people. And when you've worked so hard on like you know getting your fifty words, your headlines, understanding what you're doing, don't you know just keep. Keep that in play all the time um i think people in our sort of hurry to do things um we sometimes maybe don't value that enough as uh and so sort of worried about ourselves perhaps we don't we don't realize enough how the repetition is very convincing to other people that we work with it shows consistency and trustworthiness i think that we know what we're doing um and so that's my kind of that is the piece of advice i find i'm giving people most of the time um and i and i can see from their body language when i say things like this i can see their shoulders dropping and a kind of a sense of like entering back into what they know what they're doing um and i i i think that that is is something that is useful i, I think in some ways what i do is is about that is encouraging people to kind of grain gain that strength to sort of communicate because they feel comfortable about what they're communicating about because it's it's they can they're living it and they're doing it all the time
0: yeah it's that familiarity isn't it yeah definitely Um, Debbie, how about yourself? Have you got any uh, final thoughts or takeaways?
2: Well, I've got two very short ones. The first one is always understand what the point of something is. So it's starting with that why and and really understanding, you know, what's the rationale, what's the purpose? The second thing is if you're sitting there not understanding, you can almost guarantee most other people in the room don't understand either. So ask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely well thank you both uh, for joining me today on, on the podcast uh thanks for watching so if anyone has any ideas for any future podcasts and um, please do write to us at babrew at ciskd.com thank you thank you thank you lisa thank
1: you debbie